and I just think of just the brokenness of just our brokenness, Lord, and how we can just bring all that brokenness to you, Lord, and that you'll take that, Lord, and you you make us new. So I just pray for everybody in this room, Lord, if there is just someone that is just the brokenness, Lord, that we have, and just, Lord, I just pray that right now you just touch us and, and that we feel your presence, Lord. We feel you just wrapping your arms around us, just wrapping your around, arms around us in love. So, Lord, I just pray for, um, just give me the words to speak, Lord, and just pray for all of us, Lord, that we just hear what you have for us today. In your name we pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So I left you last week with maybe a question of if I become all things to all men, then if I'm going to that broken person, if I go to the brokenness that we all have, does that mean that if, if a person's brokenness is pornography, that I need to start looking at pornography with them? If their brokenness is they're caught up in drugs or alcohol, that I start doing that? Or if it's gambling, that I start doing that? That I, well, I just start, there's lots of things that we could fill that blank in, I think. That things that if we're all things to all men and we're going to be around them, we're going to start blending in, so to speak. Does that mean I, I become like them? And I think these are things that we've, many of us have found freedom from. Many of us have, have found those freedom through Jesus. And so why would I want to go back to those things? And these are these behaviors, these addictions, these lifestyles, these worldly things that, that, living this life committed to Jesus that we've been released from bondage from, that we're no longer captive from. And so Luke 4, it says in verse 18, we see Jesus read from Isaiah 61 these words. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus, when he's done reading, finished this, he says these words. He goes, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I bring these verses up to show that we are free from those. We're free from this sinful nature that maybe has held us captive, or maybe some of us are still, still trying to figure that out. It still holds us captive. And what I'm saying is, is that be all things to all men. Paul is not saying go start. Go back to that lifestyle that's held you captive. That this becoming all things to all men, it just means you're, you are, you're meeting people where they're at. We talked about judging today. You're not judging people. You're looking at them through God's eyes. And you're hopefully earning this right to be heard, earning the right so that they can hear this message of Jesus. Now, today, I want us to look at how maybe we conduct ourselves when, we, when we're living that, when we're meeting people where they're at. And also maybe some when we're in private, when we're not out in public, when people can't see us, how we live our lives. And it's going to come out of 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 11. 1. So let's start in just the first couple of verses, 23 and 24. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. 
So we all have a lot of rights, don't we? We all have a lot of freedoms. And Paul says these words of having the right to do anything a lot or something about freedom a lot. So let me just give you some examples of just, there's many times, but just in, if we go turn the chapter back a few chapters in Corinthians, in chapter 6, Paul uses these same words, I have the right to do anything. And then in chapter 9, if you would read the whole chapter, there's a lot of, he speaks of freedom a lot. I'm free to do this. There's freedom. Then in Galatians 5.13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we have freedoms. God created us with free will. We have the, the freedom to do what we want. We really do. We have the freedom to do it, especially before we experience Jesus. A lot of us can say, yep, I know what those freedoms are. And then even when we decide to follow him, Paul is saying we still have freedoms. We have some freedoms. So what are you going to do with those freedoms? What are those freedoms going to do? Are you going to use those freedoms for my own good or for the good of others? For my own good doing what I think is good for me, what I, what I want to do. Or are you going to do it for the good of others? So today in the world, there's lots of legal things for us to do, aren't there? There's, there's lots of legal things. Like in Montana, there's a casino on every street corner where there's no shortage of those. So if we want to gamble, we can gamble. That's, that's, we are fully have the freedom to do that. Drinking alcohol, if you're of age, even if you're underage, there's lots of people. You're, we're free to do that. There's freedom to do that. There's... You know, really, pornography isn't illegal. There's freedom to do that. We can use recreational marijuana now. Many, many states, even in Montana, it's, it's legal now. If I want to eat too much and be a glutton, I'm free to do that also. Now, Oregon, it's, it's, those laws have really changed, where you can have all kinds of drugs on your possession. You can have ecstasy, marijuana, methamphetamine, just mu mushrooms. You can have all kinds of things, and it's, it's not a felony anymore. It's a misdemeanor. You just pay a fine if it's under a certain amount. And this one's really, there's a freedom, and if you live in Nevada, what's legal in Nevada? Prostitution's legal in Nevada. So the question becomes, is, are those freedoms and are those things that I should all, because I'm free, is that something I want to do? Now, say, Someone comes up to me after service and I brought up medical marijuana. Like, I have, we have a freedom to do that. Or recreational marijuana. That they come up to me and they want me to go smoke with them after, go to their house and smoke with them. Fully legal to do that. Not violating any laws. Not violating any laws. So, say I do that, and all of you see me. Or we just go to the privacy of my house, but someone comes over and knocks, and you see me. How is that going to be beneficial to me? And is it going to be beneficial to you? Is that going to be constructive to my fulfilling God's command to go make disciples? 1 Timothy 3.2, we see these words. Now the overseer is to be above reproach. So, that means that my life, it can't have something in it that you look at me and you see disapproval or disappointment in my life. So I'm hoping 
that scenario I just gave, that if I go over to someone's house and I sit around the living room and they've got a big water bong in the middle and I'm taking hits off of it, that you disapprove that. Like I'm hoping that you said that probably is not a, that's not the best thing for you to be doing. It's legal, but I don't see that being beneficial for me or for you. And I'm not really talking about medical use. That's a different subject for a different day and a different thing. I'm talking about recreational. But Paul is asking us, even if I have the right to do something, this is my right to do this. Are you doing it to benefit you, to benefit me? Or are you doing it to benefit those around you? Paul is saying, you should be doing what you're doing to benefit others, not yourself. Now, this means having an others mentality. That my mentality is for, for you, for others people. Remember last week when I said a slave to everyone? That's what I mean by that. I'm thinking of you. There's an others mentality. That we think about others and how my actions are going to help or not help them live this life that's committed to Jesus. Have an others mentality, not a me mentality. That I'm seeking the good in others. I'm s- serving others. I'm loving others. And I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. So that they will be saved. And what I mean by saved is they become a disciple of Jesus. They receive eternal life. This eternal life in the presence of God. Because the alternative is this, that you're eternity in hell. So you're saving them from an eternity in hell. Now let's look at this next section of this passage, verses 25 through 30. It says, Eat anything sold in the market without raising question of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising question of conscience. But if someone says to you, This has been offered to in sacrifice, then do not eat it both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Now there's a word that Paul uses in this verse a lot. He picked it up. There's, he uses conscience a lot. So he's talking about this conscience. But if, do we know what conscience means? Have you just looked up the definition of that well you know i i I did for you so i'll give it to you so conscience is the inner feeling or voice viewed as acting as a guide to the righteous or wrongness of one's behavior there's another definition that's the psychological faculty that distinguishes between right and wrong either afflicts or comforts the person depending upon their action so kind of the question is is it my conscience or is it your conscience that I need to be worried about? Now, I think, at least for me, because I'm a selfish person, I think, well, that's my conscience. And I think of my conscience. I think, well, my conscience telling me what's appropriate. Is this something that I should be doing or something that I just want to do? And remember, though, my mind should be on this task of making disciples. And does my conscience tell me that whatever I'm eating, whatever I'm drinking, whatever I'm doing, is that going to be beneficial and constructive to making disciples? 
or is this going to be detrimental and destructive? Now, my neighbor, I think some of you I've told you before, owns a grocery store. So he owns this. It's a small grocery store. It doesn't really have a lot of, it just has your, your basic, basic items in it. And um, I like to cook, so there's a lot of things in his grocery store that he just doesn't have. So I don't shop there. I shop somewhere else, or I shop at that awful place that many of us that own businesses don't like, Amazon. So every time I go shopping and I come home with bags that are not from his grocery store, or I go to my front porch and I grab the box from Amazon, who do you think's out there on the his front porch looking at me? <laughs> yep, my neighbor is. I, I mean, it's every time. Like, it's not just a, every once in a while. It's every time. So what do you think my conscience is telling me? My conscience, I'm fighting this battle. Like, man, I really should probably go shop at his store, but I just really don't want to. But my conscience is, I, I get something there. So that's what my conscience does. It tells me right and wrong. And, 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 it's telling me that, you know, you don't spend your money at his store, so don't s complain if he doesn't come to your pharmacy and bu buy your prescriptions there. And it, I, I don't, he knows that. It's I give my money to his competitor, I give it to Amazon. So this is kind of telling me what's, this isn't necessarily right or wrong, but it's kind of giving me a sense of disapproval or approval, giving me this conscience that's telling me that maybe he doesn't approve of, of what I'm doing. Now, I'm not sure that shopping at his store is really matters in giving me the ability to ever talk to him about Jesus, to be able to, to go make disciples. Um, in fact, he, he knows that I'm a pastor of a church, and his wife got sick, so he did ask me to pray for his wife when she was going through a pretty major surgery, and, and there was a time there where I, I did get to disciple to him. But what would this scenario be if he sees the mailman come and every day or several times during the week the mailman delivers these magazines to my to my in my mailbox that aren't better homes and gardens they're pornography puts it in my mailbox or what happens when Kim's gone for a while he knows she's gone and I have these big raging parties at my house and there's a lot of inappropriateness going on at my house what do you think his conscience is going to tell him at that point now he knows that i'm a pastor because if i'm doing that obviously my conscience my conscience is worthless or i'm just ignoring it i'm just burying it. i'm not listening to it at all but what would his conscience be telling him i think he'd be telling us man this guy's full of it this guy, I'm not going to listen to this guy. I'm not going to listen to anything this guy has to say. He's just, a, he's just a hypocrite. So what does your conscience do? Now, once he's, if he's were to see that, I think my chances of, of, make, of going to him to make disciples and talking to him and his wife about Jesus is probably zero. I've lost that chance. And that's why Paul is saying, it's not for my conscience, but it's for your conscience. It's for the other person's conscience. Now let's look at another scenario that is, that this one is real life. So this is a long time ago. It's many, many years ago. Kim and I hosted, we had a small group 
couple small group. So we would invite people over. They'd be at our house. We'd cook dinner, and we would eat dinner, and then we'd do this Bible study. Now, that sounds like a pretty good disciple-making thing to do, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like, yeah, that's, that, that's good. Well, something I didn't tell you is that we've, the, most of us knew each other for a long, long time, and sometimes we'd have a beer or a glass of wine with our meal. And again, our conscience was telling us there's not a problem with that because we didn't have a problem with that. Like all of us knew each other and we knew that it wasn't, none of us, we weren't getting drunk. We weren't overstepping our freedoms. We weren't violating Christ's law. We were just simply having a singular glass with our meal. Well, the other part of disciple making is to invite new people into our group. So we happened to invite some new people into our group. And, well, their conscience saw us drink this beer. Their conscience told him, you can't do that. You can't, you can't, do, like, no, no, that's, you no, know, you shouldn't do that. And so I would say, you know, we talk about a weaker conscience, and it's not that they're weak, it's their weaker conscience is that they saw that everything like that was destructive. And as a result of our ra- actions, because we we didn't realize that or we didn't even think about that. They got nothing out of that group that night. We could have had the best study or the best anything, earth-shattering stuff happened that night. They got nothing. They got nothing because we only paid our, our attention to our conscience. We only paid attention to ourselves. And what happened that night, I caused a brother to stumble. We stumbled that night. Those two people stumbled that night. Now, I do have to say that I remain friends with them, and we're still friends, and I do see on Facebook that that they do the same thing we did that night. Now, I don't know why I tell you that story. So not really to make fun of them, but just like we do change a little bit in our, mature, our stronger conscience, but we're thinking of others all the time. Now, I'm not promoting anything, I'm not promoting that if you guys have groups of meetings, you go have drink a beer or you go have a glass of wine. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just promoting that you consider everybody else's good, everybody else's conscience, not my freedom because I have the right to do that. It's I, I have the right to do anything. But you consider someone else's conscience. And I think, again, those words that Paul says about being a slave Last week, they, they seem to make a more, little more sense that I don't consider what I want. I consider what everybody else, what's better for them. Consider what's beneficial and constructive for those around me. Now, the next verse in this is in this passage, I think, are really the key verses of this passage. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33. It says, so whether you eat or, or drink or whatever you do, Do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So how we live our lives, it's pretty crucial, isn't it? How we live our lives, that's an important piece of this mission that I've been saying and I've been talking about of going. Going to make disciples. And as Paul says, and as we should say, is so that some will be saved. 
Now, I think you might laugh at this, but I think what Paul is saying is you got to be a rock picker. So be a rock picker. Now, growing up on a farm, there was lots of lessons I learned on a, growing up on a farm. And one of them was that uh, we had a field with some gravel on it. And so my dad one day went to a farm auction. He brought home a rock picker. So it's a rock picker, some you pull behind a tractor, and it's got this wheel, and it goes around and picks up all these rocks on the field. And so you do that so that the crops would grow better. And we had to do this every year because rocks apparently just kept coming up from they must reproduce under the ground or something, so I don't know. But, <laughs> Chris, you'll understand why I, I kind of said that this morning because Chris stubbed her toe this morning on one of the chairs. But in life, we stub our toes on rocks all the time, don't we? Pretty easy. It's pretty easy for us to stub our toes on our own rocks. Rocks that we have in our life that we just stub our toe on all the time. And I don't need any help from anybody else who put me stubbing their toe on their rocks. Like, I got enough in my own life. Now, even if those rocks that I'm putting in the path of, the, of, of someone's life, they're, they're rocks that I have the freedom to do, but they're stubbing on people's toes. Like that night of that small group, when I caused other people to stumble on one of my rocks. Now, we don't want to put rocks down, back down either if we've picked them up. We don't want to continue to put them down because they cause people to stumble. And remember, I, s I gave you a reason why we picked up rocks off this field in the first place. But something else about that is, yes, you want the plants to grow to the best they can grow, so they have good soil to grow on. But if the rock was big enough, when you're plowing the field or disking the field or something like that, when you're working the field, if the rock is big enough, it'll break whatever it is that you're using. You could break the plow because of this rock. So if we cause people to stumble by dropping our rocks or even not picking up our rocks, we can actually cause people to be broken. We could cause people to not grow to their full potential, inhibiting their growth. But, I, but think of this picture too. If I'm picking up rocks, my rocks, and Jim's picking up his rocks, and we're both picking up our rocks together, we're both growing together. We're both helping each other grow in our relationship. Both helping us grow in our relationship with Jesus. And we're doing that with each other. Then we're not doing this alone. We're doing it with Jesus, but we're doing it with someone else too. Now, a question I hope that you're thinking is, is that if I'm picking up rocks all the time, what do I do with all these rocks? Because rocks are heavy, aren't they? Like, I, I don't want to carry around a bag of rocks. I mean, Bob, I don't know why you didn't put that rock in Carmen's backpack when you went backpacking. I told you to do that so she would know what picking up rocks mean. But they become heavy and they're burdensome. So Jim talked about Matthew 11, 28 through 30 last week. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So the more I come to Jesus, this burden of these rocks gets lighter. Those rocks just don't become as heavy anymore. I read this, and I also see that I get rest. 
I get rest. That I don't have to carry my rocks around anymore. That I find true freedom from my burdens, from my rocks, and I get rest when I come to Jesus. Now, before I move on to the next point, I want to give you another illustration of, of what I mean by this. I want you to, does everybody know what a weather vane is? You know what a weather vane is? A weather vane is, it, it tells you the, the direction of the wind. But it doesn't always point in the same direction, does it? Maybe if you live in Great Falls, it does. <laughs> but around here, like, the wind comes from different directions all the time. And I bet if you observed Paul's life, you'd maybe think that it doesn't always seem to be pointing in the same direction because one minute he's talking to the Jews and maybe his vocabulary changes a little bit or the way he does some things a little different. Next time he's talking to the Gentiles and it's going to look a little different. One day he might be having wine with his dinner and the next time he's not. And then someone, he might be eating dinner, someone might come in and, and tell Paul something and all of a sudden something that was acceptable is now unacceptable. And then he's looking at what causes one person to stumble is different from somebody else, what causes another person to stumble. And if you watched his life just from the outside, you didn't really listen to anything, his, his life may look a little inconsistent too. Like a weather vane, constantly changing direction. Looks like it's being inconsistent too, but it's not. The weather vane is constantly pointing at the direction of the wind. So our lives... Sometimes it might look a little inconsistent, but they, they, don't, they really aren't, are they? Because if our lives constantly are pointing in the direction of Jesus, living our life so that our life just, it always points towards Jesus, that someone can look at our life and they just know that it points towards Jesus and that they can follow where it's pointing and that they may be saved. So let me look at this last verse of today. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul is saying, he's saying, you know, follow my example. I'm giving you an example. But where is his example coming from? His example is coming from the example that Jesus left us, left him, left every one of us. Jesus had the same freedoms we had. He even had more freedoms. Jesus could have called down a legion of angels, right, just like that but yet he chose to be a servant. Bennett talked on serving and being a servant a couple weeks ago. He talked about Jesus washing people's feet. How much more of a servant can you be for that? Like, I agree, that's, a gr that's, that's just disgusting. But he was a servant and did that. We also have talked about us, because we're all sinners, being an enemy, being an enemy of God, being an enemy of Jesus. But yet, Jesus loved us anyway. Jesus loves his enemies. He loves every single one of us. Jesus loved him so much that he, he died for us on the cross for our sins so that, well, we don't have to stumble anymore, that we can receive forgiveness, and we don't have to carry all these rocks around anymore. We don't have to drop them along the, along the way, causing other people to stumble that we follow Jesus' example, losing our life to gain life, putting our freedoms aside, becoming a slave, because all these freedoms, they're not necessarily beneficial. All freedoms, they aren't always constructive. All the freedoms that we can take that 
Well, they might cause others to stumble. That I choose to follow the example of Jesus and become a servant. 1 Peter 2.21, this is out of the message, tells us, this is the kind of life you've been invited to, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it would be, could be done and also know how to do it step by step. Because Jesus gave us these step-by-step instructions. He showed us. He gave us the example. Now, I know that, men, we don't like step-by-step instructions. We don't like instructions at all. We like to try to figure it out ourselves. But, God, we got a manual. We got a manual. We've got the Bible. That's a manual. But also Jesus gave us his life. So Jesus showed us how. Now, I want to end today with a couple of stories of just failure and success. uh, Failure of when I caused a brother to stumble. In a time when I, I followed Jesus' example, and I, 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 I think I caused a brother not to stumble. And maybe even some of them will be saved. Now, a failure first. I was young. I was like 18 or 20. I was, I was a weak believer and weak conscience, as, we, as I talked about earlier. So I'd been volunteering with Young Life who, I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's just a Christian organization working with young kids. And I had formed some relationships with some kids in high school, and I was their young life leader, so to speak. I wasn't much of a leader. And it was the fall, so it was a couple months from now, and it was Cat Grizz game in Bozeman. So what do you do when you go to the Cat Grizz game in Bozeman as a college kid? Well, my wife would say, you go to the game. I tailgated. And I tailgated, I was with the best of them. And so after the game, while I'm still tailgating, guess who you think comes out and sees me? Those young life kids. I caused them to stumble that day. They, I don't know what happened to them. I've lost track of them. And my weather vane that day, it was not pointing towards Jesus. And so I don't know. I I can hope that they maybe got back pointed back in the right direction. But I failed that day. I I caused a brother to stumble. And that's a burden I I have to carry around. Now I'm going to give you a success that just happened last week. I was at this pharmacy convention and Started like some pre-stuff started on Wednesday and then it's Thursday and Friday. And a friend of mine is the president of the association that was putting it on. And he's a believer. He loves Jesus. And him and I are friends. And so he called me about a week or two ahead and said, hey, I just feel like we should pray before this event, before we um, have this convention. And, and he goes, would you like to do it? And I said, sure, I'll do it. So over the years, like, this is a room of my peers. This is a room, like, these guys know me. They've, they've like, seen my life for 20-plus years, probably half or more of the people in the room, and the other half probably at least know who I am. So I prayed, nothing special, nothing extraordinary, just thanked people and just gave thanks to God and just prayed for wisdom and things like that. And that day... My weather vane was pointing towards Jesus. Now, this is where it gets kind of cool and kind of 
kind of just I get goosebumps a little bit is so I sat down listened to the first guy and pretty much the rest of the day you know what I did I didn't I couldn't tell you who spoke I talked to people about Jesus the rest of the day because my weather vane was pointing and people saw that and they they wanted to hear more about Jesus in fact someone from the LDS church came up and he said I've never heard anybody pray like that before so I don't know what if some of them will be saved, but I, I trust God that some of them will. And I didn't cause any of my brothers or systems, sisters to stumble that day like I did at the football game. But I said this thing started on Wednesday. So imagine how this would have gone if that Wednesday, if I went, went to the golf tournament and the social, the unite evening social, and I just boozed it up with them and, and said crude jokes and just lived a life that wasn't pointing towards Jesus. Imagine how that prayer would have went that next day. Probably not as well as it did. Now, when I was young, it was like I was living two different lives. I had this church life that I pretended to do everything right do all the right things. Picking up rocks, looking like I had it all together, but I didn't. Now, the other life I lived, I abused all those freedoms. I laid down rocks all over the place. I didn't pick any of them. I just scattered them, just dispersed them, and I caused people to to stumble. It wasn't beneficial, it wasn't constructive for me, and it wasn't for those around me. Now, I gave you that example of living your life where it's like that weather vane. It's just pointing towards Jesus. And when people see you, they know what the direction of Jesus is for themselves. And they don't stumble. Now, I know Jesus has forgiven me for what happened many years ago at that football game. And I've had to forgive myself. But I bring that up to just say that none of us are perfect. We're all going to stumble at times. And we will stumble. We might even cause other people to stumble. And that's why we have that sign out there in the, in the lobby. Because we'll keep referring to that as no perfect people allowed. Because we're not perfect. We're going to cause people to stumble. But Jesus forgiven, forgives us. He's already forgiven us. And he keeps forgiving us. Second, third, fourth, fifth, however many times. But I want to end with just saying, because our lives matter and how we live our lives matter. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Lord, I just thank you for the example that we can have, Lord, of just living our lives for you.